Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Takeaway Club where I talk to interesting people across different walks of life to get to know their stories and more importantly how they got to where they are including their motivations, habits, routines and aspirations some of which we can apply to our own lives. Hey, before we get into the episode, a quick update. Along with the podcast, we now have a newsletter. It's called Beat the Blues, a bite-sized curation every Monday with the most interesting and random content that I come across in the week prior. Earlier, I used to do this in an ad hoc manner, sharing an article, giving book recommendations to my friends. That's when one of my friends uh, suggested why not do this in a more organized fashion. And that's why we turned this into a weekly newsletter. It's a small non-intrusive email every Monday with a bulletin of whatever content I am currently into. It could be the books I am reading, the podcasts I am learning from, tweet threads that I enjoyed. Just a small boost to kickstart your week and hence the name Beat the Blues. So if you are someone who enjoys insightful random content but don't have the time to sit through and do the dirty work of browsing to find them, you are going to love this. It's super easy. Just head over to thetakeaway.club and hit the subscribe button and you'll get the very next one. Hello everyone. Thanks for tuning in to The Takeaway Club. In today's episode, I have an incredibly smart guy from the Silicon Valley. In fact, he's a recipient of the Einstein visa which is given by the U.S. government to attract smart folks into their country, uh, people who demonstrate an extraordinary ability or expertise in any given field. So Simon Shetty is the person I have on the show today. Simon grew up here in India, uh, Udupi in Karnataka to be specific, and then the U.S. for his master's, and has since gone on to work in really cool companies like Tesla, Lyft, and Neuro. In his time in the U.S., Simon has co-founded two startups, the first one being Hygia during his uh, time at uh, the Arizona State University. Hygia is a cool hardware slash software product which monitors garbage levels in trash cans. Uh, You could just uh, set it up in your trash can and it immediately tracks and relays whether the bin is full or not, predicting how much time is left before it needs emptying. Uh, helping enterprises basically to manage their time and resources better. Hygia was a huge hit among the peers and went on to win many awards in the college. The crowning jewel in Hygia's history is uh, perhaps the one and a half year incubation offer from Plug and Play, which is one of the most respected incubators and investment firms in Silicon Valley. Of course, it has incubated the likes of Google, PayPal, Dropbox, among many other successful companies in their early stages. Simon is currently working as a technical program manager at Neuro, the robotics company that builds self-driving cars for delivering goods. He's also building his second startup called ResumePuppy.com, which is an online tool for building super cool and neat resumes. Given Simon's experience, this was a very thoughtful and truly wide-ranging conversation. We touched upon uh, his days prior to founding Hygia, some of the mistakes he made on his way, his experience 
working at multiple world class companies and how the company culture differs uh, at each of these places among many other topics without further ado let's jump right into the conversation hey simon hey krishna how are you i'm doing good simon thank you thank you for joining us i know how busy your schedule is usually given the number of things on your plate at any given time so it's an absolute pleasure man to have you on the show here no no worries no worries and uh, i'd like to uh, thank you for doing this i think uh, i think you're you're passing a lot of good messages to a lot of people so thanks for doing this this is awesome thank you thank you uh, so i thought a good place for us to start our conversation would be a short recap of your story so far okay okay so yeah um a, a real quick my story is uh, basically i uh, start from you know i did my engineering uh, in a small town in udupi um that's where my parents are from that's where i went to high school did my engineering uh, from a college called nitte uh, uh udupi is in karnataka by the way and then uh, after that you know i wanted to uh, uh, go to grad school to study more um so i came to arizona state university to study electrical engineering specialized in control systems um then i moved to um atlanta georgia to uh, start my first job uh, which is in the field of control systems as a controls engineer then i uh, hopped onto another place uh, in atlanta which was like a relatively smaller business i got a lot of good exposure there about like how small businesses work and stuff like that um then this opportunity came uh, for me to uh, move to silicon valley uh, to join tesla so uh, i joined tesla worked there for around two and a half years um so one of the one of the most you know exciting experiences um of my life till then and then i moved to uh, lift uh, so lift was starting their uh, self driving sort of efforts at that time lift is the second largest ride hailing uh, ride sharing uh, corporation you know like uh, service in the us uh, after uber so uh, worked for a couple years there you know led a few programs um, uh, when it comes to like building self driving vehicles from scratch and stuff like that um, after that i moved uh, to this robotic startup called neuro um, a few months in into neuro now and uh, a lot of exciting stuff happening at neuro as well uh, in the field of robotics uh, apart from that uh, along the way i kind of founded uh, two startups uh, of my own one of them was an iot based startup uh, uh, you know um, uh, that i founded like out of grad school um we focused on improving the efficiency of waste management um and then right now amidst uh, amidst the covid uh, you know pandemic uh, what uh, i started with a uh, uh, actually an undergrad buddy of mine anish hegde um is resume puppy so we are focusing on you know improving people's lives by uh, uh, by you know helping them make really compelling resumes uh, very easily so it's a tech platform um resumepuppy.com is what you can go to uh, visit to do that um 
and and yeah our overall mission at resume puppy is to improve uh, the efficiency of job applications be it resumes or be it like any other uh, needs that uh, any job applicants have uh, that's our mission at resume puppy yeah this is this has basically been my journey uh, over the past decade uh, wow um, yeah. this yeah. is amazing man this is like you know you mentioned like so many amazing companies here tesla lift or even neuro and founding a startup we'll talk about that in detail uh, very soon in the conversation now, these are achievements in and itself that people will be super proud of you know for most people getting a job at tesla that is it that is that sort of uh, you know is the end goal for people the same goes for lift you worked in artificial intelligence you know electric cars a couple of startups you know you're in the middle of a pandemic so you start a startup <laughs> so it's amazing man uh i thought before we get into more detail about all these exciting job roles it would help if you could uh, you know give a little bit more explanation around your domain of expertise in you know maybe layman's terms if that's possible now you're a control systems yeah. guy if i'm not mistaken so yeah what exactly does that involve what are you responsible for you know be tesla so, uh, current gigat neuro yeah. what are you yeah. usually in charge of so in general uh, like uh, i'm i'm kind of you know the my whole uh, background and the the transitions have been kind of interesting so uh, by training i'm an electrical uh, engineer so you know i i find a lot of association with the you know core electrical engineering engineering uh, sort of uh, you know activities uh, in general but then you know when i specialized uh, for my masters i specialized in control systems so control systems is this very interesting sort of a, a bridge between like the world of physics and the world of uh, engineering and it involves a lot of like mathematics and modeling and and things like that so that what i really found fascinating about control systems is the fact that it can be applied anywhere like literally anywhere um let me give you an example right like so if you if you assume uh, an airplane uh, and you know what goes into um, automatically stabilizing the aircraft and 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 you know um maintaining the attitude of an aircraft uh, right so that uh, you know it doesn't it doesn't enter a stall uh, or any other unfavorable scenarios uh, is a very uh, sort of well functioning control system that is implemented in the air, airplane right that's a a very technical embodiment of control systems over there that you can see um when if you look at uh, other other applications right even in your daily life uh, or even in applications that are not necessarily engineering you can apply a lot of control systems which is like my professor at uh, at uh, arizona state he uh, he was involved in a, in a bunch of research some of which were you know um, out of wall street right how do you model financial markets mathematically and determine the controlling factors for such markets and then uh, figure out like you know what's your optimum sort of uh, um what's the optimum investment that you can go in with uh, for a uh, an expected result uh, 
you know, given a certain risk uh, and still be left with money to invest. It's a, it's a huge topic in itself for, for you know, in, in, in on Wall Street. Uh, the other application that he was focused on was uh, in fisheries, right? So in fisheries, you have, uh, you have to maintain a constant population of fish in the fishery. You can't overfish. Uh, and you can't let the population, uh, you know, exceed a certain amount as well because, uh, you know, they suffer from overpopulation. Uh, resources are like severely limited at that point and they start dying automatically. So you have a problem if you have a lot of fish. You have a problem if you have too little fish or none, no fish, right? So how do you play with uh, the economic factors and all other sort of factors that you can play with? to maintain the level of fish uh, to a certain, you know, a bit in, in, middle, in the middle of uh, two, you know, a maximum and a minimum, right? So it could be like permitting, it could be, uh, you know, like regulations around fishing in that fishery, and uh, it could be around uh, like breeding control, or it can be around like food and, you know, um, fish growth and stuff like that. So there are all these parameters that you can play with to control a certain scenario. So uh, these are just three examples, the airplane, Wall Street, fishery. These are just three examples that I gave you. But then you can literally apply this to any field, uh, um, you know, under the sky uh, or maybe even uh, even in the universe, so to speak. So that's what really fascinated me. The way, you know, uh, it, that mathematical abstraction can be realized in technical forms or any other forms. Uh, and that fascination led me to specialize in controls. Uh, so that's, that, that's the beginning of my sort of career, uh, you know, in controls. But then over the years, what happened was I, um, you know, being involved. Uh, so one thing about me is like when, when, when I get too deep into a certain topic, I kind of get bored. So what I try to do is like uh, kind of diversify and, uh, you know, try to learn more. So over the course of my career, I have like, uh, you know, interfaced with software engineers uh, so much. So, you know, uh, for me to understand how, how their side of the world works, I have in, I've interfaced with mechanical engineers a ton. So, you know, like thermal engineering and mechanical engineering, uh, I've, uh, you know, tolerance analysis and uh, like model analysis and things like these. I've, I've kind of gotten a, a, a relatively uh, decent idea about how things work in the mechanical engineering world as well. Uh, same, same stance, you know, uh, th throughout, throughout my uh, career, um, there's been like business uh, interactions as well, uh, marketing and public relations uh, interactions as well. So, uh, overall, like uh, I've, I've, I've been fortunate to have like a very holistic approach uh, along the way for me to understand like how uh, things work in an organization. So yeah, that's that's basically how I sort of evolved uh, through my career. Krishna. That's interesting. So I got a chance to read this very interesting piece on the VC circle that uh, covered your story a while back. Mm -hmm. Oh, and uh, right in the introduction, uh, you probably know the article that I'm referring to, right? It's yeah, yeah. Popular yeah. one about your startup idea. So the article talks about how uh, every Indian kid arriving in the US has their sights set on a few milestones, uh, which sort of acts as a proxy for success. Right? And uh, that is the safe and in many ways, it's the same route to take. You know, you mm -hmm. are an immigrant from India. You want a nice job. You, know, you probably um, 
stay in the us for you know a decade a decade and a half and uh, you come back to india so that's sort of the life that um, most immigrants uh, in the us stay right so why risk everything uh, and try to be a maverick of course that's something that you have done incredibly successfully now but probably when you are starting out what you know paved the way for you to choose this path as opposed to being a conformist and lead a happy safe comfortable life so uh, yeah, the incredible success word that you use that's uh, that's that's kind of a uh, uh, relative right it's a uh, it's probably an overstatement but uh, because I, i i look at a lot of like other people uh, be it in silicon valley or in other uh, other parts of the world in other walks of life who have done and who have produced like um like significantly more like infinitely almost more uh, impact on on society as we seen as we see it than than me possibly so yeah i mean uh, that's that's one thing that i'd like to just uh, take out of the way over there um uh, just just to just just to, just to put it out there but but in general right uh, i think uh, uh when you when you um, mention the concept of you know being a maverick it's it's more of like uh, there are certain things that uh, that that keep people on their toes right and for me it is it is you know constantly learning something new and constantly being able to uh, uh, see and realize my the direct impact of my work um, in the world out there right uh, and and that is what i crave for all the time and uh, and i think the the biggest uh, so i look at it like this the the more i learn the more i sort of you know nurture myself the more um i can you know use judgment to be capable of uh doing work that is impactful uh, to the world so for example um let's let's take the example of um, like resume puppy right so um the the impact over there was like you know we we really worked our asses off we worked like super hard um uh, but the impact over there was like in, in three weeks of release we had over like 3000 uh users uh, you know that signed up even uh, you know with 0 dollars spent in marketing all i did was hey we have this tool uh, do you want to use it and i just posted that on linkedin uh, and uh, we had like 3000 users over three weeks so this is this is this is what, these are the things that like really make me want to work harder right because there are all these people using resume puppy and the better resume puppy gets the the more sort of leveraged impact we make over uh, over a large group of people so uh, you know I, we had a lot of a lot of discussions a lot of conversations around like should we be a very manual resume review platform um and incredibly accurate in that or should we uh, like leverage tech and and build a tech platform right so there's only so much we could achieve or we will be able to achieve um, especially for the crowd that we are sort of serving uh, using a a very manual resume review approach uh, versus uh, tech is something that we do you know we are engineers uh, and tech is a very leveraged effort right you put the same amount of work as you put in uh, a manual resume review for let's say like uh, 15 people 
uh, into tech and then you have built a product that can be scaled up to hundreds of thousands of people if not millions of people right so that is the beauty of it right that is these things i just find fascinating right uh, and uh, and and that's the reason i'm i'm always looking for uh, for that next sort of bug to go conquer beautiful man so uh, i'll come back to resume puppy of course uh, that's what you're working on at present so let's rewind a bit here and uh, take you back to the days of igia your uh, first startup of course that's what uh, started it all uh, it went on to win a lot of awards a lot of uh, personal accolades uh, what was igia about yeah so um in grad school right when we when i was in arizona state that's when it kind of seemed like oh wow there's all these like entrepreneurship and arizona state by the way is like super big on entrepreneurship and innovation they have like millions of dollars of endowment and things like that to to focus on on those causes right so um i was like oh wow there's all these you know entrepreneurship competitions with real money that you can win um in in case of uh, you know in, in case of a cool idea so that's when you know i really started thinking about different ideas uh, that you know we can pitch and uh, and get some funding to get off the ground and and do some cool stuff right of you know i actually pitched one or two ideas uh, in you know while i was in grad school uh, but those ideas were terrible and uh, they didn't end up sort of getting any uh, any funding or like even uh, reaching the final so what happened was after i graduated uh, i was still thinking about these things right and then i already i i also had people who who were also already in you know still in grad school uh, doing their phds or what not you know uh, so i had a very uh, close connections uh, in the entrepreneurship and innovation uh, department at arizona state as well so that's when you know once when i was just talking to my you know hygia co-founder um we were like wow okay there's this opportunity in waste management how how about we just put something together uh, the uh, the own the, the biggest uh, you know the the biggest change that we introduced to the whole process what was that we just you know bought uh, an arduino um plugged a couple sensors onto it uh, you know and uh, and wrote some software and sort of made it work right and then we gave a live demo uh, in the in the uh, finals of the entrepreneurship competition and that really wowed the judges because nobody else had given a demo of a working prototype and uh, that's what made us win the top prize over there and that was actually the origin of 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 anything hygia so yeah. what were the days like uh, in the build up to you uh, founding hygia what was going on in your mind when you decided to solve that particular problem right? because for folks jumping into founding startups uh, they tend to focus on mainstream stuff fintech crypto or maybe a classic b2b problem a productivity tool or something uh, but a solution um, like hygia you know to improve the trash can experience that in itself is a very niche and uh, an unconventional startup in a lot of ways yeah i wouldn't uh, I, i wouldn't say that all the decisions um, uh, that we made are 
that i made even um, during the founding of hygia and the market that we focused on and uh, and all of those uh, were among the best i wouldn't say that because you know uh, looking back when i evaluate like the way um, hygia was done i feel that it was done in a re- in a relatively naive way there's a lot of things about like testing the market there's a lot of things about like figuring out the right product market fit and even even in the industry like figuring out your niche and going into that doubling down on that um and you know driving cost down in case of like hard especially in case of hardware products there's a lot of things around those that i only learned uh, along the years like after hygia or like while doing hygia right uh, and 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 that's 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 basically um you know uh, hygia the mistake that i did at hygia was uh, was a product of extreme naive, uh, naivety um now when it comes to why uh, you know how how we sort of decided to venture into waste management versus like all these other shiny things out there um there are a few reasons one is um, especially in the U- united states uh, there's um you know the waste is or was being exported to like countries like china and like you know many other countries in asia uh to be disposed right um and it's it's a relatively questionable practice like that but then uh you know china was also buying waste from the us uh, as were other countries so this was the practice going on um so a few years ago what happened was uh chinese the chinese government implemented a, a com- you know a ban on uh, importing of waste from the us um there were other governments that also followed that banned wa- you know waste import from the us now what would happen to that waste it would end up in us landfills right uh, that's basically what would happen so we were basically thinking about okay so if this is going to land up, end up in us landfills and as is uh, you know uh, uh, there's this concept of diversion in waste management where the amount of waste that you send from landfills into other ways of recycling you know or even reducing waste in the first place uh, or reusing um is is basically called diversion right so uh, the the goal was to reduce the uh, amount of waste that goes into landfill to begin with um and we had to you know um at, we had to handle a, a fundamental problem of how do we sort waste right and that needed a lot of capital it needed a lot of like equipment um you know hardware to do the sorting uh, if if we were to introduce tech that did it at scale right um, so we were like okay so that is a problem that is like relatively huge let's go conquer that problem next so what's the problem we can conquer immediately uh, where is it that we can save organizations money right so uh, we were basically like okay so there are all these campuses um there are uh, you know like janitors going around like if it's like a, a big space campus or something like that they would go around like acres of land uh, you know like looking for trash in trash cans and and emptying trash cans so we were like and uh, that's the reason we created these sensors uh, that uh, you know then uh, hooked up to our uh, you know gateway uh, and we had a nice sort of uh, you know app 
that could uh, that could show them the status of these bins so that's the product that we made now the problem was that we didn't run the numbers you know accurately so it turns out that this had a very small market in certain like high cost applications in in, in all other markets uh, we had relatively tough time pushing this uh, and or justifying it right and and uh, because there is hardware involved now you have you know you have to bring down the cost significantly and that is going to be an issue as well so yeah that's there's a lot of uh, you know concerns like that so that's where we were like hmm okay so we got to use this same product in an industry where you know there's more than just efficiency to gain right uh, because with only efficiency we are not essentially able to completely prove the product so that's where we were like okay so do we have a scope in like some sort of biomedical application biomedical waste application right where uh, efficiency is not just the thing that they are concerned about uh, they are also concerned about safety right so the worker safety the hazard you know to bring their insurance costs down there's a lot of implications over there uh, more than just efficiency so we were like okay so can we make the same hardware uh, or make a, some modification to the hardware and then uh, even the software side and then introduce it over there and that was actually a very good niche right it was like okay so cool now we are able to establish a value over here but then th that value that niche value uh, is not necessarily scalable because now you know we in originally intended to you know cater to all these other people how do we bring the cost of the device down to cater to all these people so it's a scalability problem that we discovered as well over there so yeah to answer your question this was the way you know the whole idea of hygia sort of evolved and uh, and 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 ended up to be something wow that's amazing simon i love how you're so candid about what happened with hygia and uh, how you could have done better you know as an entrepreneur your startup is like your baby and uh, it's very easy to overlook sometimes uh, what went wrong and to you know realize that your baby is not perfect but uh, hearing from you you know um, what you could have done better i think uh, i mean uh, i i think that's a fundamental trait uh, i mean it just comes naturally uh, and and, and I, that's that's a fundamental trait i think like you know um, entrepreneurs should have uh, in order to uh, you know make good products or services that you know is worthy of 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 use by a large crowd so i think uh, i think that's you know it's a product of uh, it's 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 an inherent quality that entrepreneurs must have uh, to actually create impact it's very true very true and for folks who are listening and uh, uh, all those people who have their ideas uh, you know still in the nascent stages uh, where it has not seen the light of the day or if you are waiting for it to be absolutely perfect this is a very nice reminder that even the most successful ideas may never end up being perfect right so the important thing is to just do stuff and see where things take you and uh, you know use the learnings and go on to build better things so i'll move on to the next question here right you were a recipient of the highly coveted eb1 visa 
or the Einstein visa as it's popularly known. Uh, tell us more about that one. Yeah, so, um, so uh, again, so anything that I, anything that I talk about, um, about the Einstein visa or any immigration related uh, stuff, this is not necessarily like legal advice. So I kind <laughs> of want to put that on the record uh, that it's not legal advice. This is, this is merely, you know, opinions from my side and what, what worked for me, uh, you know, uh, and, and my journey. So uh, this is based on the fact that the United States uh, is and will remain open for people with extraordinary ability, right? So that's what uh, that's what this uh, this this category of green cards is about: people with extra, uh, Ill, you know, um, persons with ex- individuals with extraordinary ability is basically what EB1A is, which is uh, which is colloquially called uh, Einstein visa. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the, it's uh, very well documented, uh, you know, uh, requirements uh, for it that you can access on the, um, you know, uh, United States Citizenship and Immigration Services website. Uh, but in general, right, uh, it's, it says, okay, so if you have a one time sort of lifetime award, right, like, um, like a uh, an Olympic medal, or like a Grammy or a Oscar, or, uh, you know, uh, any such uh, or a Nobel Prize, something like that, uh, you can directly apply, and it's very likely that uh, you know our application will be approved. Um, but otherwise, if you don't have those, then you'll have to satisfy you know a bunch of criteria that you know they state on their website, uh, which which is including but not limited to. Uh, you need to have a bunch of press. You need to have a lot of like uh, you know recommendations from. Um, from people who have already established credibility in the field, uh, you'll have to have uh, uh, evidence of of original scientific or business or you know artistic contribution to the field. Um, you'll have to have uh, you know uh, you know either in the form of patents or publications and things like that uh, as evidence for those things. Uh, basically, uh, you know the, these are these are just tip, uh, touching the tip of the iceberg, but there, there are a ton more which which are like easily look you know uh, searchable uh, yeah so it, it it lays a very heavy burden of evidence on uh, on the individual uh, and and if the individual is able to demonstrate uh, evidence of such extraordinary ability uh, then they will uh, adjudicate the case in their favor so this is basically how it works wow <laughs> i want to talk about your uh, time at the university of arizona so now uh, it's 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 Arizona State University, uh, University of Arizona. I categorically uh, <laughs> corrected you there. Uh, the reason is be- the reason is because uh, University of Arizona is a very hardcore rival of uh, ASU when it comes to sports. So you come to ASU, oh. the funny part. Is, <laughs> you come to ASU, uh, and you're uh, you know watching a football match, uh, and uh, if the opponent team is Stanford the amount of boo that Stanford gets is significantly less than the amount of boo uh, a University of Arizona my team bad, gets. My right? Bad. <laughs> right? So it's, it's a very interesting thing. Like if, if anyone, uh, you know, listening to this is going to ASU, that's what you got to watch out for, right? You know, <laughs> look, look out for that game when the University of Arizona comes and plays at ASU. Wow. And that'll be a super, super fun 
fun match to go to you know i'm so glad that we are doing this virtually imagine you know if both of us were on a stage or something and uh, <laughs> in the end not the right thing to do in a packed auditorium i go like hey tell me more about university of arizona <laughs> yeah. i can imagine the rotten eggs and the tomatoes yeah. i be the recipient of my bad there <laughs> <Right>. so <laughs> see as a student um, going to the us for the first time i have noticed this uh, trend that they one of the pillars of support is the teachers and mentors that you get to know that right so in that aspect mm-hmm. how was the experience um, studying under someone like you know armando rodriguez of course if i am not mistaken so uh, feel free to fact check me here yeah my uh, recollection is he was one of the biggest factors in you making the decision to go to asu so i i knew you know before coming to asu that uh, i wanted to specialize in control systems um armando dr armando rodriguez was what i liked about this professor right is well yeah there's there's all these like uh, you know um, accolades that he has gotten and all that like you know he's a recipient of the um, presidential medal medal for excellence in science, you know stem education stem teaching from uh, president clinton and you know that there's a lot of like accolades he's he advises uh, you know uh, the uh, committee for you know some some defense committee in the us government uh, Uh, and stuff like that that's a lot of work and nasa of course it's a lot of work of national um, and sometimes international uh, importance is doing but the one thing that i that i really you know found a connection to this person um with was the fact that it's it's very hard to you know um come across people who are technically super super sound they know their fields inside and out at the same time they are great educators right they know how to present concepts in the classroom in a very 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 fun manner there are uh, you know videos of youtube on on youtube especially uh from from you know times of the pandemic uh, of of dr rodriguez uh, you know uh, teaching classes Uh, you should go check them out you can see that this guy is you know like a phd from mit and he he you know he he's he super chilled out and he makes he drives the points home uh, you know in in the classroom super fun you know always jokes but he he jokes in a way that uh, that you know drives the point home and makes that concept stick in your head right uh, that that's one thing the second thing is as a person a lot of people don't know uh, his his like personal story right so he was the he was the son of a uh, son of immigrants uh, grew up in extreme poverty in in new york uh, there's there's couple videos about that as well him explaining that on youtube uh, if if you are interested so there's more to this person than just what he does right there's there's a large part of his personal journey uh through childhood that has uh you know that has flowed into his charisma and characteristics as an educator and part of the reason why he is passionate about the field of stem education as well is because uh you know he has he has come from a very rough neighborhood in new york where 
you know, 50% was the high school graduation rate and stuff like that. So that is a very social connection that he has. Uh, and that is causing him to be a great educator. So, uh, you know, overall, to answer your question, uh, when it comes to our Dr. Rodriguez, these are the collection of things that that really uh, sort of impressed me. And I'm not even going to go into you know his technical uh, you know technical capabilities or you know him as a technical person because that is proven inside out all day long um, but I, I wanted to focus on that personal side because these are things that don't come up when you google um, you know his name uh, directly or like if you look his name up on ASU uh, you know directory or anything like that so I, I wanted to make a special emphasis about the things about him that that actually stood out for me Wow, that's beautiful, man. And I hope he hears this, you know, to uh, see one of his students uh, hold him in such high regard. I'm sure there'll, there'll be a lot more like you, but that's nice, man. One more thing, going back to uh, Dr. Rodriguez, right? So uh, as a parting present, uh, like when I was like graduating from ESU, uh, as a parting present, I kind of gave him this little plaque. Okay, uh, it was personally made by me, uh, and and it contained it contained these uh, this uh, you know it was a soldier, an Indian soldier from I don't know I think it's the 1500s, uh, 1600s, something like that, um, uh, with something that looks like a firecracker, uh, but that was the first sort of uh, advancement of uh, of missile technology that was a soldier under so under tipu sultan who did that uh, or uh, it was it was under tipu sultan that like the the concepts of rocketry uh, uh, you know uh, where you know started the concept of rocketry started to be used towards uh, towards this whole concept of missiles right and this professor um, he he works, uh, you know, on controls of missiles and things like that. So I kind of wanted to, you know, draw that connection of the origins <laughs> or origins of of, of missiles uh, in India and things like that to him. And and it was a very sort of personal moment for him. And he wow. still, I think, he still displays that plaque in his office. So yeah, that was and that was a personal moment for me also because that, that was where I was <laughs> like, okay, yeah, very wow, good. that's a that's a strong connection. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, of my culture with the, mm -hmm. with the history of uh, what he does. That's very beautiful. Yeah, it ties down uh, something that uh, that is very that both of you have uh, fond recollections of. So at this point, I want to uh, talk about the elephant in the room. That's your experience at uh, Tesla. So which is mm -hmm. uh, which is attain the cult status you know in the last decade or so thanks to elon musk so a lot of people when i mentioned that i i'm gonna have you on the show they were very excited to know how that stint went and you know did you get a chance to interact with elon so what was your experience at tesla like in general so there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of uh, you know intricate details over here that I can't go into. Uh, but but in general, you know, like in general, I feel like personally, right? Um, Tesla uh, and and being part of Tesla at a very early stage, uh, very you know, very early stage in my career, um, was you know it it really helped me understand uh, you know that rigor of being on a mission, right? So Tesla is on 
a mission to accelerate the uh, you know uh, world's transition to sustainable energy uh, and that's a huge mission well uh, when, when i was at tesla you know just before the acqui- uh, uh, you know acquisition of solar city uh, the mission of the company was um, to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable transport and then they acquired solar city and a few other like energy businesses and then that's when they shifted their mission from just transport to um, acceleration of the world's transition to sustainable energy right and the, the it's very important to look at the energy part right because uh, it may also be true that you know the 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 automotive like 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 elon publicly mentioned right the, the automotive side uh, is more of the consumption of energy side plus there's like solar roof that's like uh, you know that's that's the you know the power uh, energy products that tesla makes uh, b- both at a commercial level and a sort of a home uh, you know domestic sort of level um that you know all the 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 value of all those are also like incredibly high um when it comes to uh, you know the impact on on society uh, to you know to move society towards a more sustainable energy sort of future uh, and and that's what's really inspiring right like to take on to take head on um traditional automotive companies uh, to take head on the oil industry uh, it takes a, a large amount of guts to do that and not just guts and not not just talk right that is clear demonstration of 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 uh, tesla forcing the industry to march that way and and that you know these things are coming back to my sort of uh, you know desire and craving for impact you know it's clear it's it, it, it's clearly ties uh, ties up over there so actually you know while i was uh, prepping for this call i also happened to come across uh, this uh, amazing series from tim urban uh, for people listening who are not familiar tim urban is a super popular blogger he owns uh, wait but why where he breaks down the most complex subjects uh, in very easily uh, consumable manner you know he uses these drawings uh, there is this very famous ted talk of him as well so uh, he actually uh, got to write a four part series of blog posts about elon musk and the work he does you know? and uh, in one of the posts he recalls how uh i think it was spacex head of talent acquisition if uh, i'm getting it right i'll anyway add it in the show notes for people to refer to so uh, it refers back to a kora answer that this person wrote you know uh, this talent acquisition person who used to work at spacex uh she describes elon uh, as super inspirational and one of the particular instances was uh, when spacex uh, third launch failed it was like a devastating blow for the entire company and for all the people who worked for years to try to make it work you know and uh, to try to send rockets as a private company and uh, she refers to elon's infinite wisdom and i'm just directly quoting her here i think after elon musk uh, gave that speech i think most of us would have followed him into the gates of hell 
carrying santan oil after that it was the most impressive display of leadership that i ever witnessed oh, so it's amazing the kind of uh, impact that he is trying to create in the world yeah yeah i think it's 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 super inspirational uh, to say the least right so uh, right after your stint at tesla uh, uh of course you moved on to live to what were some of the cultural differences that you noticed between a place like tesla and something like lift uh well uh personally right in in uh, personally i i met a lot of people who came from google uh to to lift right and um that was my first uh, because you know um there weren't i mean there were people who came from google to tesla as well but then there weren't many people i knew of and then before even before that i i, I didn't meet a lot of people from you know who have worked at who have worked at google um so i did not necessarily know uh, the culture that they brought to work and things like that right and, and they bring a very very sort of scientific inquisitive very positively uplifting uh, culture but at the same time they um you know uh, i feel like compared to tesla uh, that amount of uh, sense of urgency and that rigor um, was absent right and being and being at tesla for the first few years of my career and um, being driven by this incredible um, uh, you know sense of urgency towards a mission which i really enjoyed uh, all the while um, i was like that was the mode i was in right i was i was going like i i just wanted to like keep going right uh, and uh, when it came to lift and when i when, when i looked at the the culture of uh, being you know uh, you, you work hard but you also have uh, a lot of fun at work and uh, you know a, a lot of like social fun uh, i mean not not like fun while working kind of you know like not not like working is fun kind of fun right uh, more of like you know you just hang out and have fun um that was actually a lot right and uh, that's when i realized that oh wow okay actually in most companies in silicon valley this is the way uh, you know the whole work um, uh, environment is what was going on at tesla and like what i was like you know what i experienced at tesla is uh, is in the grand scheme of things an exception it's not a rule right um so but i really enjoyed that and that you know th- that that culture shift uh, was really surprising for me and and it took a while to getting used to because i was always like you know in a mode where things have to get done yesterday and like i was always in that sort of rhythm um so yeah i brought a certain amount of that rhythm to lift as well but then um but but then it it uh, you know uh, at some point you actually have to sort of respect uh, everyone around you and uh, so this was my personal sort of you know uh, uh diff- the difference that i noticed uh, on on a very personal level when i moved from tesla to lift hey this is true so actually like i was uh, mentioning earlier um, when i mentioned uh, having you on here so um there is this person hari ganapati so he is the ceo of uh, pick your trail a super popular startup here in uh, chennai so he was very curious about uh, your experience at lift 
and he actually uh, mm-hmm. wanted to see if uh, he could get your perspective on this uh, this question see so what was mm-hmm. the single biggest narrative that uh, people held on to that sort of gave them as a gave them a purpose when uh, battling against uber yeah i mean there's a lot of uh, things that it, it doesn't so all this doesn't happen just just out of like uh, you know pure will or like any sort of like inspirational power or anything like that right it, it everything has a very well executed strategy behind it now i won't go into the details of like all the strategy and things like that uh, but in general like you know just answering that question in general um, me as a person um i feel like uh, i i feel like uh, you know there's as uh, as a user of lift right like when i use lift and when i use uber to uh, you know to for my transportation needs i feel like there is a clear distinction in branding right there's a difference in in the tone of branding and there's a difference in the way these two companies uh, sort of project themselves uh, to the crowd and uh, i feel like lift has the more friendlier sort of feel uh, but yeah that that alone is not going to like you know uh, keep keep companies afloat necessarily uh but you know there there's a lot of things behind the scenes that are uh, that are happening in a very strategic manner uh, as well that that is clearly i mean as as in the case of any uh, any any other company right it's it's very it's very uh, important for the success of such uh, such you know tightly uh, competitive companies yeah that's uh, yeah i think that uh, makes a lot of sense um yeah so uh, before we head into the random deck uh, where i ask you a couple of very random questions uh, that's got nothing to do with uh, what you do in particular um, so i want to talk about uh, resume puppy uh, of course you touched upon it at the start of the conversation um, mm-hmm. mention what you do i'm curious about what the transition is like from building something like hygia which requires a completely different frame of mind um when working on the particular problem to working on something like resume puppy which is uh, a more common uh, you know uh, in a way it's not that taxing if i might put it what oh, yeah it's uh, it's uh, it's taxing in another way right yeah, like for example uh um uh hygia was more of a hardware and a software i mean i think it was more hardware leaning than software necessity right i mean uh, than than the software side of it um but when it comes to resume puppy it's a 100% software company it's a 100% tech company and uh, we want to evolve it as an artificial intelligence company uh, right uh, but what we what what what's like fundamentally important to us uh, uh, uh both value wise and impact wise is mm-hmm. is uh people actually finding value in in a resume made on resume puppy right um and and that is what we are trying to drive every every time like i we you know we we, we chat internally that you know our customers or our users are our most valuable product managers right because the amount of you know when you actually put a product out there uh, most people what they do is uh, you know actually a lot of people uh, try to get their first 
sort of cut or first release in case of like a software product um, really nailed like super nailed down uh, and until then they don't release and then you know uh, sometimes it's too late to realize that oh, okay the product had to be something else uh, or it's like you know uh, you just lost a bunch of opportunity to change something uh, from the grassroots level and incorporate that uh, in your you know um, progress journey uh, based on customer feedback so um, the when you put this out like for example resume puppies beat like initial version mvp right it had a lot of uh, uh, you know a, a bunch of things that people wouldn't necessarily appreciate or like right for example you know when you hit click click save um you know a lot of times you know there were some corner cases which were not saving the resume and uh, you know the hard work of our users actually you know ended up not getting saved and stuff like that it was very sad it was very sad so uh, we we had to like and we had like just tens of users back then uh, when we just made this public uh, you know at that point like for one or two days when we really sl- really hard and uh, and fixed all those issues and made sure that you know our users don't have to be concerned about those those low lying uh, you know things and that's when the users started you know giving us a lot of suggestions right they they are extremely in a very positive manner demanding right they bring out the best in us uh, some of them are like hey we need we need version control some of them are like hey we need we need like better suggestions of software right? uh, sorry um, you know uh, resume bullet points some of them are like oh we need uh, we need more templates and things like that and all of these requests when we look at them we we, we collectively you know um you know evaluate them saying what's the uh, you know what's the easiest to implement what's the most impactful for them uh and and then move ahead and and a few of them we have already implemented right like like the um sample bullet points for uh, you know suggestions in experience section uh that's a feature we worked after getting a lot of uh, overwhelming sort of demand from from our users um we are w- currently working on version control uh, of resumes and then uh, we we also got a bunch of uh, inputs uh, you know uh, requests about like having a man you know an automated uh, review feature so that is where we are investing a lot in uh, in our artificial intelligence uh, engines now um, to improve the way the computer reads the resume uh that that people create on resume puppy and make suggestions accordingly about like hey okay uh, you might want to uh you might want to improve this you might not want to like keep this uh, sort of tone over here and things like that uh, as well as hey you missed to mention a phone number you know that kind of thing as well so in general it's like um the you know uh, when when you when you are interacting with a customer like that or a user that is really uh, giving you a lot of feedback the tone also matters the tone of the brand also matters right we always want sort of resume puppy to be a friend because if people are coming to resume puppy to build a resume um, it is very likely that you know they they are looking for a new opportunity which is like they are very um, you know enthusiastic at at the same time it could also be true that you know they are desperate for a job right and for such a crowd we we always want to treat them with the level of respect and the level of uh, uh, the level of care and empathy that they need and uh, that is where we spend a lot of our time making sure that everything that we build into a product is not just awesome on a tech side but also uh, you know um, is a very personal fee, uh, experience for our users
puts uh, very beautifully put simon and like you mentioned uh, i actually checked out resume for you and i love the tool by the way so for folks listening uh, you should definitely check it out so i am actually in the yeah mood, just uh, filling up my own one and i really like the suggestions that uh, the software put up and uh, it solves a very fundamental problem that is very common across all students you know uh, all students or people in their early careers they they have their own achievements they have uh, they have done a lot of things but somehow they struggle to put it into a structured format in a resume yeah so uh, we you know uh, we we realize that there's a lot of things uh, that people you know there are of information that people supply on a resume that not necessarily that's not necessarily needed right so so there are uh, overall there's like two main aspects to a resume right like there's there's the there's the uh, format and then there's the content right so uh, our goal is to make these two or provide our goal is to provide our our users uh superpowers when it comes to these two um uh, you know things right now uh we you know you don't need to be concerned about the format and we are working on many many more tools to come as well but even as is right now you don't need to be concerned about format you just put your data in and then we will we the, the software automatically formats it uh, to a, an industry accepted uh, manner right and the software doesn't ask for details that are not needed by the industry so um, you know in a way it streamlines what's needed and uh, and just lets you put those things in without having to bother about like hey okay will this work will this not work the the you know you just need you just take your focus out of uh, what you uh what you sort of how to write it rather than ra- rather you put your focus into like okay what kind of content should i create and that's the next place we are innovating in the content side right like, and the suggestions is a mere sort of super first step towards that so i'm i'm really excited about like you know what we have in the works when i log into our dev server and when i like look at things i'm like super excited for the future that we are uh, you know right, currently testing so yeah i mean uh, it's 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 really interesting so yeah people uh, who want a really elegant resume built um, you know uh, you, you should go to resumepuppy.com uh, and uh, and in case you have any suggestions there's a little chat bubble over there that you can uh, you can use to send us like uh, you know recommendations or like uh, feedback or any questions that you have about resumes so to speak uh, feel free to like throw those questions there uh so that you know we can we can help you in that manner so yeah this is uh, in general uh, this is this is like what we are trying to do wow amazing man i mean i think i'm already like uh, sharing with a couple of my close friends whole definitely yeah and uh, the, the the one thing about the one like be it resume puppy or anything else right the one thing about like super like well thought out products or great products is that um it's simple it's simple to use and resume one of the things we uh, one of the constant feedback or the positive feedback that we get is that resume puppy is very simple and seamless to use uh, and it's very intuitive to use the whenever a product is super simple and intuitive to use um like this is one thing that i learned as a user and as a person who built products right 
it's not easy to make a product simple to use and a product being simple to use is not a sign of the product being simple to build right uh, because there's a lot of effort a lot of thinking that you need to go through to hide the technology that is actually running all this look at apple for example right the, when you when you use an apple product or uh, you know an iphone or a mac or whatever it is uh, you don't necessarily you feel like it's very seamless and you don't necessarily see the technology that is behind it running it and it's not because there is no technology it's because there's like hundreds if not thousands of hours spent uh, in making that technology invisible as we come toward the end of the conversation so uh, i have a couple of questions that uh, i call the random deck right i think i mentioned earlier mm-hmm. so let me jump right into the first one now if there was a universal billboard in every town in the world and you get to pick what goes on into the billboard what message would you share for the world so it could be a quote a life a lesson that you learned uh, could be anything you know what sort of drives you that you want to share with the world yeah so i would actually use that opportunity to put a collection uh, a, a few quotes that you know like literally have inspired me um so one of them uh, one of them is you know um the the quote from i think it's the whole earth catalog or something but then it became famous after steve jobs mentioned it in the stanford uh, address right uh, which is yeah i don't uh, stay hungry stay hungry stay foolish right and i think i think part of part of what has driven me uh, until now has been that philosophy it's like you know um i i i always want i always find myself insufficient and i want that next uh, i i want to know about that next thing and i want to like do uh, you know produce impact in 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 that uh, way that you know the, in that additional way that i possibly can right and i'm always on the lookout for that so that's one the other one is um for founders right it's it's basically uh yeah you have you know thought out your product and all that but that's you can never think out your product enough right there's no enough so just do it you know like the the just like the nike slogan um just do it is is what i would like to flash on that uh, on that billboard hmm what else um yeah uh, i think even in even in my personal life uh, you know um when when that's a, a, a large amount of questions about if something will work out or not uh, or you know um even like when i have a probably a new time management system in place or whatever best way to know is to try it out right just just go right. ahead and try it out uh, if it works it will prove itself working uh, if it doesn't work it's unworthy of being there so yeah so i want to the next one what is an advice you would like to give your 17 year old self ah 17 year old self um so i wish i made so i wish i um you know uh undertook a lot of 
so i think this this whole trial and error or like just jumping and just do it kind of attitude uh, evolved itself um, you know after uh, probably my second year of engineering right so if i if i have to go back 17 years ago i would actually ex- expedite my uh, experimentation with things uh, i i used to do a lot of experimentation with things uh, you know thoughts in general and like tangible things as well but i would i would expedite that so that probably i would have learned like twice as much uh, in the same amount of time i so uh, the next one from your circle at tesla or lift or uh, your current gigs if you could nominate one person uh, from your network to share their stories or experiences on the takeaway club who would that be someone who has inspired you someone you feel like you really have a story to tell and uh, worth every bit of time spending listening to that person who would that be no uh, i would i would i would certainly nominate my uh, co-founder at resume puppy uh, anish hegde is his name uh, phenomenal guy you know like technical bent of mind superb technical bent of mind he he in fact like built uh, built apps in india that have reached like hundreds of thousands of uh, downloads um, and like you know it's 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 very rare that you meet people that have a very strong technical bent of mind and also a strong sort of uh, ideation capability on a product side and also that user empathy right and i think he brings to the table uh, all of these in a very well packaged manner uh, and and that's part of uh, that's part of where you know we both connect as well and uh, where it becomes seamless uh, you know running resume puppy uh, and that's the reason right there's a reason why you know all of resume puppy that you can see right now uh has been like the collective work of like 6 weeks and 6 weeks is impossible for a you know a you know a, a structured company even to put this out uh, this this kind of robust tool out um apart from that there's also um you know um, the the amount of users we've gained is is actually testament to how well we have thought out the product so yeah i mean a huge role in that and uh, yeah i would definitely nominate him awesome so for the final question uh, this is where we kind of swap seats and uh, you get to ask me one question uh speaking about podcasts right um, there's there's like these super quick ones these days right uh, you know um and then there are all these like super long ones that are relatively less popular but then like has the right crowd right has captured the right crowd when it comes to like engagement and like uh, depth and things like that what i mean i i clearly see that you are a fan of like the longer format uh, for multiple reasons right and i kind of want uh, kind of want me included your sort of listeners to know why you are a fan of the long form uh, and why you do the long form right and i think uh, i think it would be good if you can enlighten us with that this is uh, funny because uh, this is something this is where most of my feedback comes from you know anytime one of my close friends or anyone listening one of the feedbacks they come back with this i'm not used to this whole podcast listening experience which is natural because it's only getting mainstream now i wouldn't say it's still mainstream even at this point right podcast in general 
so people are not used to consuming like uh, you know 60 80 minutes of audio in one stretch even our conversation now let us cross the hour mark some 10 15 minutes ago if uh, guessing it right okay um but uh, when i started listening to podcasts my uh, favorite ones were all you know the tim ferris show the joe rogan experience or making sense with sam harris they are all you know amazing podcasters and their average length easily hits the two and a half three hours mark you know so that's where i draw my inspiration from in fact a couple of weeks back i wrote this very detailed blog post on why are my podcast episodes so long answering the question that uh, i get asked so many times you know i put out like five six uh, bulletins of reasoning why i do it that way you know uh, including uh, something like uh, you know just take your example someone who has had the journey that you have had it would have been impossible for me to uh, sort of you know fill that up in the 20 30 minutes version i'd be doing a great injustice to you if i were to fill it in 30 minutes you know all your accomplishments all your thoughts so i feel like longer forms of a podcast allow you the freedom to get creative and it allows the guests to get comfortable you know most of my episodes even uh, this, even this is something we might even notice in this episode that i noticed this even for myself and the guests the opening 10 or 15 minutes that's when you're breaking the ice you're uh, getting to uh, you know understand each other's perspective what they are trying to do here and for you to you know get in the right gear that itself takes like 15 minutes at least you know 10 to 15 minutes if i were to do a 30 minute episode 15 minutes would be filled up with you know a little bit of awkwardness where the guest is not comfortable the guest is not sure what you are looking for and uh, you are not really sure if the guest is enjoying uh, what you are asking so it sort of helps me to use the opening few minutes to now set the tone for the conversation and i have seen that the longer my episodes go it gets better you know i you know with my close friends i just call it like you know i find most of my episodes to be like wine the longer i talk with the guest the better it sort of gets so that is something that has worked for me and that is the podcast i listen to that's where i drew my inspirations from so i i understand that not a lot of people are a fan of this one but i feel like once it gets mainstream it becomes impossible for people to not see the value in long form podcast content yeah yeah i mean uh, even in general right when it comes to non official conversation like when it comes to informal conversations right uh, by by nature we are more driven like if you want to go to a friend's place uh to have like a, a good time like an easy, like a chill time you you don't necessarily be like okay uh, i'm i'm here for like 15 minutes and then you get out right like you just relax the the human nature of like um informal conversation uh the default nature is relaxed right and uh, uh and that's when all the creatives come out and i think that's good that's good it's good uh and you know listening to two people have this sort of relaxed conversation has always been a, a a very nice experience for me as well i'm i'm a fan of the uh you know jorogan experience especially uh, and and it's it's very soothing and and you can 
it's not necessarily like you know the joe rogan experience is not necessarily something you can you know watch uh, over uh, you know like a uh, you know a meal or something like that it's more of like i i honestly i like i love watching that you know like just before bed and things like that because even the whole sort of aura is so soothing very true and you know yeah, yeah. on a side note you don't get to make elon must smoke weed in a 15 minute podcast that's never going to <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 um yep that 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 weed wouldn't get anyone talking <laughs> um if it's 15 minutes Thank you.